church family. Man, what a delight to be with you. And um, there's this word that we just sang, hallelujah. That uh, So we were, a group of us were in India training national leaders and pastors, which was this huge blessing and honor. And um, they would do worship. And the worship was infectious. Like these are people that are giving their life for Jesus. And many of them have suffered persecution and struggle and when they sing it, man, they just let it out. And there was, um, I, there was one moment in one of the praise services, they we're singing, they're singing in Hindi, right? So you're stumbling, trying to figure out what you're singing, but wanting to join them. And I looked across and I saw Pastor Nate, and we both saw the word hallelujah. And we're like, oh yeah, I know what that means, you know? So we like, get after that. And uh, that's a word that translates to all the cultures. And a lot of times when we were singing that, they'll stop and pause and someone will say hallelujah and they'll like repeat it. So can I just say it? And would you just say it with enthusiasm to praise the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's good. Isn't that good? It's good to lift up our praise to the Lord. So um, thank you for your support of the team that went. Um, For those of you who don't know, there's a team of us that had the really rich honor to go to India and to serve alongside some really wonderful leaders, a ministry that reproduces leaders. They've reproduced several thousand leaders in church plants, and we had the privilege to have some of those leaders with us to encourage them in the Word and worship with them and do life with them. And um, of course, when you're in that setting, you're inspired a lot more than I think that you're inspiring them, right? As some of you know that, Jim, right? That um, it's that kind of environment. And uh, so it was a whole group, several hundred were there, and we had the honor to be doing ministry last week, and God was rich when he just showed up. There were a couple moments um, people have asked me, and I just sensed, wow, I did not expect the Spirit of God to be so powerful in that moment, and just be doing ministry beyond those things that I could have ever said, or the way I could ever use my gifts, you know, God just just moving, and it was um, humbling and rich and good. So thank you for praying. Thank you for um, being partners with us in that ministry. So we are in the privilege of this series talking about our values. And I want to be clear as we step into it what we're talking about. First of all, there's some things that God's word and the Lord himself calls us to as people who follow him to value above all other things. So they are these primary things. We value God's word, right? We value the Bible because he speaks to us. He inspires us through it. He helps us and directs our lives to it. He, he gives us a framework for living through his word and directs us through his word. So we value that, of course, highly, individually and as a church here at Bridges. And we also value prayer, right? Because we get to pour our life out to the Lord, draw intimately into the conversation with him, and we hear answers. God, the living, holy, high, almighty God, responds to you and to me through prayer. And we're invited, each one of us who follow him, to value that, to enter into a life of prayer, and to count on God responding to us because he loves to do so. And we're called actually to communicate our faith, evangelism, to actually enter into the mission God has for us to communicate grace to our neighbors, the people we work with, people in our community. We're called, each one of us, 
to be able to speak out the love of God through our words and through our actions to communicate the good news that a person is saved by grace alone, God's love alone, through faith in Jesus alone. And that's what rescues us, brings us forgiveness and wholeness in life. And we're called, each one of us, to worship. That's what we're made to do, right? We are made to lift up, to glorify God. The Westminster Confession says that we are called as people to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's what all of us are called into. And as a value, we value that as a church highly. We want to enter into that, not just on Sunday mornings or even just in our life groups, but throughout the week, 24-7 kind of people that worship. And we value service. We value expressing what God has done to us, his love for us, by loving our neighbors. We, we value engaging our faith. And that's um, how God has gifted each one of us individually in this room. So many different spiritual gifts. And together, the force of us using that together as a body of Christ is powerful. Like it's moving. It reaches and moves and touches our cultures and our community where God has us. So all of those, of course, are high values we have as a church. But now we're into a season where we're thinking about how has God uniquely wired bridges? How has he called us out as a people? The things for us as we're uniquely wired and in our place where God has us, whether that's Fremont or Melpitas or Union City, Newark, wherever you might live. How has God called us as a church to be a people that proclaim his name and live for him and value as a church particular things. So last week, Pastor Ray spoke about mosaic culture, if you were here. One of our great values. And you can look around this room and see that God has brought people from all over the world together in one church family. And why is that? It's to be an answer to John 17, the prayer that Jesus prays out in John 17. That the world would know just by the way we're wired and what God has done, bringing us all together into oneness. Just as a father is one with the son, we would experience that same oneness. And that is one of those mind-blowing concepts, right? How is that even possible with the person sitting next to me? And yet God, through Jesus Christ, prayed that out that we would experience that so the world would know, would get it. And that's what we're talking about when we say mosaic culture. That God would so powerfully proclaim his grace and gospel through us in our oneness. That this place that we live in would get it. Would understand God's grace. That's a, that's a great value, right, as a church. And we lift that up. The second value that we're going to be lifting up is family enrichment. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Family enrichment, that is equipping all life stages to grow closer to Jesus and to each other. Now, there are some specific reasons why this is a value for us. First of all, of course, God's word tells us that he has instituted the family as an instrument for where we would first live out our faith in our home. That would be an expression for us. And scripture is filled with and counsel for us to do that in the context of our family, the book of Proverbs, I think of, is really rich with that. Ephesians chapter 6, really rich with that. And there's two texts this morning that we're going to look at. One's just one verse out of Psalms, and one is a longer text out of the book of Titus that give us some strategy about how to live out a family value, this family enrichment. And how is it that we become a place that experiences rich family life? And that we cheer on each other in our families. Now, in this room, 
that means a lot of different things because we have all kinds of different families. Some of them, we have large families, some small families. We have singles that are living together with friends. And this is inclusive. When we speak about this value, this is every generation living out a following of Jesus and together, us as a family, cheering that on. I don't know about you, but I got a bunch of Christmas cards this season. Did you get some Christmas cards? And on our Christmas card, I got a bunch of them here, actually. And several of you actually are on these. Some really cool pictures of people. And uh, some of the families are large and multi-generational. Some people include their dogs and cats and hamsters or whatever. Um, Some have, you know, pictures of them like playing, this one's on beach volleyball, and some playing their instruments. And what I noticed in all these cards was that these families look really great. Like they took a snapshot of the best moments of their family this last year. And here's what I know. Every one of these families, that was not like the exact representation of all their moments this last year, right? Because all of our families are broken. All of our families experience dysfunction and hurt and pain. Why? Because we're broken. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And you are broken. And we bring our brokenness into our homes and we struggle and wrestle together with that. How do we live for the Lord and and deal with all this stuff that we bring together? And the answer, I believe, is found in Scripture. The answer is we cannot do this by ourselves. Actually have rich, healthy families to follow Jesus together in a healthy way. We can't do that separated from each other. My family needs you. Your family needs the people in this fellowship in order for us to have rich lives that follow God wholly. That's why we lift up this value. Now let me turn us to one verse in the book of Psalms. This verse, Psalm 78.4, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn it open there. Psalm 78.4. And as you do, let me give you a warning about this morning. I'm going to call you out in just a few moments, if you would, to be bold enough to express one way where you've seen God at work in the last couple weeks. And if you share this, if you're willing to share this, which would be a huge encouragement to other families, you're going to see that from the text, um, please keep it short. Like just a couple sentences. Last service. We had some amazing things shared, and um, some of them went just a tad long. So uh, if you could just kind of keep it brief, man, this is how I've seen God at work, and I just want to express the wonders of God. Because what we're going to see here in the text is one of the strategies God has for our families to enjoy health and richness is for us to pass it on generation to generation, for us to speak into each other's lives and to declare what God has done in our lives so we would encourage other families when they're struggling and wrestling and losing perspective. Psalm 78.4, which is speaking in the context of this particular psalm, of the word of God, the instruction of God, his commands. And it says this, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Now, I love that statement and what it communicates, that every generation needs to be reminded of the works of God. Why? Because we all have spiritual Alzheimer's. We all forget. 
And our memory is poor when it comes to the work of God. So there's this powerful function that we can have in the lives of each other where we can declare the wonders of God on a regular basis and just say, man, here's where I've seen God at work and be a huge encouragement to the families of other people around us. And that we actually have this obligation from the Lord to speak that out verbally and to help each other see and help each other's family see how good God is. We have that ministry in the lives of each other. So because that's the truth, I want us to practice it a little bit. Because I think that sometimes we just listen to the word and we don't get to practice. And I think practice is really important. So um, I'm going to call you just in a sentence or two if you would step up to the mic and say, here's where I've seen God at work recently in the last couple of weeks. I just want you to know. And speak into each other's lives. Okay, so don't be shy. And um, speak out if you would. And we're just going to take some moments right now to practice the scripture. Bill, thank you for hopping right up. That's great. I didn't even ask him. Betty, thank you very much. So let's get after it. And we're going to, here's the reason why we're doing this. First of all, we're giving glory to God. Second, we're about enriching each other's lives and each other's families so that we might grow and walk with the Lord more faithfully this week. So let's hear about the wonders of God. Bill, thank you have to say that yesterday at the men's breakfast, there was incredible sharing that, that uh, went on, and it was really impactful. Uh, the things the, the guys just opened up about what's going on in their lives and how the Lord's working, and um, mm. it was just wonderful. I just wanted to, you guys to know that, the mm. men's breakfast yesterday. Thanks, Paul. This is the beginning of the third year my husband has been in an assisted living facility. And when it started, we had no idea what a roller coaster ride it was going to be. But in every case, God has provided resources, family that supports Mm -hmm. us lovingly, this family here Mm -hmm. and the staff. And he has also provided opportunities to be available to the other residents at this place. And they all need what we have. And I'm given the opportunity to share that with him. So I just praise God for the what's ahead. Because I can trust him from what he's done behind. I know what going forth that he is faithful. Mm-hmm. Thank Thanks, Betty. Amen. This happened to me before the holidays. So it's about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But um, I came across this organization called Kids Against Hunger. They're um, based in, I think, North Carolina. But anyway, they do have a chapter um, in Pleasanton. So I joined one of their packing events right before the holidays. And as I saw the video of all those kids in Haiti without food, I started bawling. And then I did a lot of thinking and a lot of praying. And another day I saw this um, slide that actually was um, posted on Facebook by... Um, the city council member Yang Xiao saying that Fremont was voted the sixth most caring city in the U.S. this past year. And I thought to myself, why can't we be the, f- the first most pa- caring city in the U.S.? I did a lot of praying, um, soul-searching, and um, then I decided that I want to start Kids Against Hunger chapter in Fremont. 
And tomorrow is the day that I'm going to reach out to the president, um, the headquarters, to get their support. And Sherry, the, um, the person who was in charge of the Pleasanton chapter, she was so gracious. She said, I'll do whatever I can to support you. Last year, she's a full-time full volunteer uh, with no salary, zero expense. They helped pack two and a half million meals. And she sent over a million meals to Haiti. And I'm going to start small, and I'm going to start my help I mean, with all of your guys praying for me. And I know with God, all things are possible. So there is no fear in Christ's love. And we can do our part to help. Thank mm. you. Yeah. Just, um, just a word. Nate and I would love to talk with you right afterwards. Pastor Nate and I like yeah. Go ahead. Well, that's a hard one to follow. Um, but from way far away, and boy, do those people need you, um, to my very own little living room where um, the day, be day after Christmas we were supposed to get together with our kids and grandkids, and I was really looking forward to it finally because their in-laws, extended families, have been in town, and I'm like, finally my turn. Well, about 4 o'clock, um, my son called and said, oh, we're not going to come, we're sick. And I was so disappointed. I even cried. Um, but I was like, Okay, I let him know that I was disappointed, but no pressure or anything. And um, <laughs> no, really, I'm full of grace. That's one thing God's given me. Um, and then, like 45 minutes later, he said, Okay, the kids and I are on our way, because his wife was really sick and really couldn't come. But, and that, that's true. Um, and we had um, just, you know, a crazy time. My, kid, my grandkids are five, four, three, and two. And um, my favorite moment of the season was when, just before opening gifts, we did our tradition that my, my kids roll their eyes about every year, but we do it anyway, just reading the Christmas story in this beautifully illustrated children's book. And there are my four little grandkids all talking at the same time and trying to you know, point out this and that, and, and it was just really a gift to me. One more quick, huge thing that God did. Um, my brother died, almost died, really almost died, twice in the last year, and it was very, very crisis time and serious. But God saved him from death again and again and got, brought him a great treatment that, that has been very successful. And we, my, my siblings all gathered um, over the holidays for his son's wedding, and there was my brother smiling, engaged, healthy. I'm just so thankful. Oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's good to be home, amen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have been in a full military battle with my pride for over two years. And I prayed and he told me to go home. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm like Ron. I'm a sinner, and uh, I constantly, I get in my own way, and um, but um, since I've been a Christian, I know that um, to just stop and pray, and um.
So my wife and I, we got married in this church. And um, so when he told me to go home, I came home. So it's good to be back. You know, with my church, I went to another church, and there was a lot of theatrical stuff going on that, you know, that's not me. I found, I found Jesus in a cell inside of a prison, and, um, and he freed me. So mm -hmm. I feel church here. So when he told me to go home, this is where I came. <laughs> and I see my wife, and she's mm -hmm. so happy now. Mm -hmm. Because she never wanted to leave. It's my pride, you know, and mm. I got to do what I want, and then I get my spanking from Christ, and then I come home, you know. I've always been, throughout my childhood, I got six older brothers. I was always the wild one, wild, wild, and I think Christ knows that, and he just kind of, you know, he just kind of shoves me back on my path when I get too big for my britches, you know. So it's good to be home, church, and um, mm -hmm. so we're here, and um, Welcome home. and thank you. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you, sir, for sharing. Um, that's very powerful, and uh, I can relate to that guy, too. Because I'm still struggling with my upsets, um, my flashbacks and all. A few days ago, while I was on, waiting, at the bar station waiting for my bus ride uh, from work, coming home from work, I know one of my friends who used to go here, now works at, goes over to another church. I told her about my problem, my flashbacks and with one of my families and my relatives, I mean. And uh, she, she shared with me this, this verse, Proverbs 55, verse 22. It says here, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And I'm, I'm just doing my best, and I'm letting it go, but I still struggle with that. I still struggle with my flashbacks, and I, I do know the... I know the. I know that if if I don't forgive, uh, I know the scripture warns me that if I don't forgive others, then neither will God. But if we do forgive others, then so will He. So I just need help. Mm -hmm. I I just need help. So Eric, um, Eric, let me just uh, speak into that just for a second. Hey Ken, thanks. Um, let me speak into it. We, that's why we're here, right, as a church family. And um, a bit what we're talking about here in the text, that we serve a function in each other's lives to enrich each other, to support and encourage and to love on each other, and that we are a family in doing that. And so we're going to play that role. I'm, I want to get to a, a text in Scripture here in Titus, if I could, Eric, Okay. And, um, but I want you to hear that we're going we're gonna to pray for you, and we're going to be here to support and encourage you. Okay, brother? Sure. All right. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, let me challenge you with this. Wouldn't it be great just around the dinner table or um, in your system of family that you would take a pause sometime this week and just identify how God has been at work, the wonders of God, and pass it on because Scripture's telling us, hey, pass this on from generation to generation. Now, as I said, the, the Scripture is filled with encouragement about families, but I want to move us to this wonderful text in Titus, Titus chapter 2. So if you turn the Bible open to Titus chapter 2, we'll just be thinking about the first eight verses there and some instruction given to us from the book of Titus. Now, it begins, the book of Titus begins by giving us some sound doctrine, some, some important things for us to believe. And then Paul is going to connect the spiritual truth to spiritual proof. How do we live out the truth of our doctrine? And that happens in the context of family. First, I express my faith first in my family system. And that's sometimes the hardest place to do it in, isn't it? To be able to forgive that family member who knows me and yet annoys me consistently. To be able to give grace when that person has done the same thing over and over again. Or just to be able to live with that person. Family is that incubator of our faith that God has given us as a healthy institution, a healthy place to foster our growth. And Titus is now going to bring together the two, that, that the things that we ought to believe about Christ and his word, and now how to live it out in the context of family. And he begins by saying this in verse 1, but as for you, teach, the word means communicate, that is, live out both in words and in actions, communicate it, what accords with sound doctrine. Connect your doctrine to your behavior. And then he's going to help us understand how to do that. Verse 2, older men. Now, the word, the phrase there in the context is speaking to men over 50. If you are a man this morning over 50, I want you to stand up. I want you to go ahead and stand. And you can admit it, acknowledge it, Donnie, you're over 50. I know that, man. So you just stand up and own it, right? I'm over 50. I'm standing. Okay, this word from Scripture is specifically intended for you. And let me say this to you, men. Our church family relies on your godly example. Do you hear this? The model we are called out to live is a powerful influencer in the families of this church. And this church, these families that are represented in this room and in our community, will not know Christ unless you live out this word, unless you live out this instruction. So this morning I want to call you out to be men who follow this, who think about Scripture deeply, and who live this out so younger men and younger women, younger families know how to do it. And we pass it on from generation to generation. And here's the counsel to you. Now, you may sit down because I know some of you, it's a little bit difficult. I like to stand too. I'm just giving you a hard time. Right? I'm over, I'm over 50, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> Older men are to be sober-minded, verse 2, self-controlled, and that's a word that's going to be given to every generation and men and women in this text. Sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Now, it's not surprising that the qualities actually given here in this text 
are qualities that are listed in Titus, actually, for all spiritual leaders in the church. But it's getting at you guys specifically in these qualities so that you might know how to live and pass it on from generation to generation so that we might have families that are rich in Christ and know how to live. First of all, be sober-minded. It's the word temperate. It means being free from all forms of excess or life-dominating patterns that are contrary to the control of God's Spirit. You are to be controlled first and foremost by God's Spirit. At this point in life, grow up, man. That's what it's saying. We need you to be men who are controlled and led by God's Spirit and not any other thing. And the families in this church and around you need it. We need that model from you. And you've walked with the Lord, many of you, for generations. So the younger families need to see how that's lived out. Be sober-minded. Be dignified. That is worthy of respect, honorable and noble. Be worthy of other people looking up to you. And take that. Don't shy away from it. Don't say it's somebody else's deal. Men, speaking to you men specifically over 50, stand up and lead. Lead in your example by your words, by your actions. And be self-controlled. That is, be of sound mind, be sane, be sensible, and be thoughtful in your actions. It focuses on a soundness of thought and judgment here in the text. Know how to choose wisely with your finances, with your priorities, with the things you're passionate about, and provide a model for this church. Now, be sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness or endurance. Literally, it means be in good spiritual and emotional health so that other people can follow your model. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself by making sure you're in God's word faithfully, by your walking with him faithfully so other people can follow your model and their churches, the families in our church can be healthy. And the way that you express God's love in your life by loving people and by enduring. Now the text calls out older women. I know I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but um, <laughs> ladies, if you would be bold enough and you're over 50, can you stand? Because it's speaking specifically to those who are over 50 in this text. Would you stand, please? Look around. Scripture is, is calling out you ladies to be a model for the rest of us so that other families know what it looks like to follow Jesus and have healthy families, families that prioritize him. And specifically, it calls you out to be women who are set apart, who are holy in your behavior, in your speech, in your actions. Okay, you may sit. It says this, older women likewise in the same manner that it's called out in the same ways that it's called out the older women or older men, be reverent or holy in behavior, not slanderers. That is, watch your speech, because other women, younger women, ladies, are listening to you. Your words matter. Watch how you speak about other people, because you can either enrich others 
or you can defame others and discourage others. So be careful of your speech or slaves to much wine. It's a struggle, isn't it? In many ways, not to turn to other things, but to live holy for the Lord. They are to teach what is good, to model with your speech and your behavior how to live a life that is wholly set upon God, to be godly women. So older women, we depend on you in this fellowship, in this church, for rich families, for us to be able to walk with the Lord. We've got to have you walking with the Lord. And so it says in verse 4, train the young women. Make it your responsibility to invest and to mentor younger families. Don't look for a program that the church might come up with or another thing, but invest yourself. That's why we call you into small groups, right, life groups, so that you by those can invest in other women and in other families, And then it says, to love their husbands and children. Model what it looks like to love a man when he's really irritating or when he fails, when he sins. Make sure that you help other families understand what it looks like to follow Jesus when there's struggle, when there's disappointment, when there's failure. Be honest enough when their marriage is struggling so that other women could see it and follow your model. And be self-controlled and pure. Self-control, it's going to speak to for every generation and for all of us. But it speaks specifically here about purity. And it's talking about being sexually pure here. A life above reproach in heart and mind. So that families here in our fellowship and in our community can see the power of your life. And see the health of it and guarding the health of your family, the purity of your family. And then the text says, working at home. It's not saying that your role is to be women in the kitchen and not to be working other places. But it's saying, make sure that you prioritize what's happening in your home. Make sure you set that as a priority, as your first priority, the health, the spiritual and emotional health of people that God has given you to shepherd in your home as ladies. And model that for others. Kind and submissive to their own husbands. And in the context, it's speaking about mutual submission. That the word of God may not be reviled. So that other people may see the power of the word of God at work in our families. And come to love Jesus. If our families are healthy and we're investing in each other. And we're taking the mantle of responsibility seriously. Then verse 6 says... Likewise, in the same manner of these responsibilities, urge the younger men. Men, if you're under 50, stand up. Okay? If you are under 50 and you're a young man, isn't that good to be a young man, Pradeep? Right? You know what I'm saying? Harry, you're still young. All right. Theoretically. Okay. No. It says, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Here's what it's speaking about. One of your great strengths is that you are still passionate in life. You have a role to inspire the older guys to get on a stick and still be passionate about life, right? Still do ministry with all of your heart and soul and energy. 
You've got great idealism. Many of you have ways that you can use your strength and your energies that the older guys can't. But here's a place of vulnerability where you are at danger that you might not be self-controlled, that you might struggle with your aspirations, with your greed, with your lust. You might be overwhelmed with pornography or struggle in areas of your life where you have, you have got exposure that some of the older guys here have walked through and got control of. So guard yourself, Scripture is telling you, for the sake of not just your life, but the families around you and the families of this church to experience self-control. That is, giving God the control and not being self-centered. You may say And now a general word to all, young ladies, young men, to all of us. Show yourself, verse 7, in all respects to be a model of good works, to live out what God has called us to do, the gospel, by doing good. These things have a huge impact around us and are so helpful for our families. I don't know what I would do without the opportunity to have gone down with my family each year to Mexico. It's where my, where my kids learned how to do good things or to be on impact days. Things that we do to demonstrate good, the good that God has done for us. And in your teaching, notice it's speaking to everybody, not those, just those people who are wired to teach or gifted to teach, but all of us who teach with our words and with our actions show integrity Dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. We all have this role speaking into the, and exampling into the other people's lives of this church for the sake of our community that people would know. So it says that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us, because all they see in this church are families that are healthy and that are rich and that are growing because we're supporting each other. And we're doing it according to scripture. This is the strategy that we would connect biblical truth to the living out in our life of relationship with God that's healthy and relationship with one another that's modeling these things. This is why we're committed to this value. So that our families would thrive and so that our world would know who Christ is because they're growing and they're healthy and we're speaking to each other's lives. If it is, and I'm not going to call you or embarrass any of you, but if you would be willing to commit this direction, to be committed to the other families in this church and the health of your own church, whether you're a single person or you're married with 15 kids, if you'd be willing, um, I want to call you to a commitment. I'm going to put up this commitment on the screen if you would. I'm just going to speak it out. I want you to think about it. And if you'd be willing... In a moment, we're going to ask everyone who would be willing to commit this direction to stand and just make this commitment to one another. So it says, here's the commitment. I commit to seek to be used by Jesus to enrich my family and the families here at Bridges so that every generation would give God glory and enjoy him forever. If you'd be willing to make that commitment, I want to ask you to stand right now. To stand out, we're going to speak it out together and make that commitment to one another. Let's speak it out if you would. I commit to seek to be used by Jesus to enrich my family and the families here at Bridges so that every generation would give God glory and enjoy him forever. May I pray over you? Father, 
You've heard our words, our heart. We long to be people who have rich, thriving families. And you know our brokenness. There's not one family here that doesn't struggle with dysfunction or sin or wrestling with imperfection. But God, you have designed us in such a way where you want to use our families to declare the good news to this community by the way that we live and the way that we invest in each other. And we need your grace and your power to do that. So we call out for that. And I pray your rich blessing and anointing on our body for our family's sake and for the sake of this world to know you. God, help us to follow through with your strength. In Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.